From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around to listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Another recording in progress, right, Flo? Exactly, that is correct. So, welcome back everybody. again. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Unbelows Podcast. Thank you for listening in again, for tuning in again. I think it's our third recording for the new year. Is that about right, Ash? I, I think so. And it's crazy, but we are about to finish the first month of the year. It's true. Well, we wanted to, so we've spoken to people about there being a bit of a life cycle or journey aspect right to growing our consultancy i think we touched upon it when we talked to professor o'mahoney we had a follow-up episode to that and i still feel like we need to go back and revisit the concept because um the more i think about the stuff the more helpful i find Mm it our Mm -hmm. listeners have will have to be the judges but as as you and i discussed uh, earlier there is a certain journey to professionalizing and improving your firm's business development efforts Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think we both agreed that everybody has to go through the journey. There's not there's no skipping stages. Even if you know exactly what you're doing, there will be you will go through versions of this. However, if you do know what you're doing and what to expect, you can maybe be quicker in moving through those, right? Did I No, it, yes, you. Yeah, and, and it ties into what we were talking about last time in terms of like the messaging where you've got to have the coming up in layers where you need to start in from the specific messaging before you jump into the larger one. And I think, and, and what's interesting to me here is that, so the journey as I see it, and you can, yeah. you can chime on and, and tell me about it is, and marketing experts will slap me around for this because I'm really doing injustice to the definitions. But I think the journey overall is you go from somewhat unstructured sales mm-hmm or unfocused sales to a bit more focused sales to an early version of doing some marketing, which we might describe as lead generation or attempts thereof Mm -hmm. into strategic marketing. And then finally into branding. Okay. So hear me out what I mean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if I start out, I've either just started my firm or I'm new as the lead of the practice or whatever. And we do have a capability. Let's say we are experts in, I don't know, supply chain management. And we have this idea of selling our expertise. All the rest of it might not be as refined. So what I typically do is I scour my network and I do direct outreach and so forth to just find work and build the practice. Yeah. Because I don't know what I'm doing at this point in time. And so that's actually okay doing it that way. So I get a couple of projects under my belt. So that's what I mean by unfocused biz dev. Yes, and I want to, I just want to say instead of just saying lead generation, we probably mean more of demand generation right now because we are trying to create a demand for the supply that we have. That is true, but that's remember that's the stage after the next because next, like once once we have a better idea of what we're doing, we can become more focused on our business development because now we know, you know, what types of projects are the best fit for our team, who is typically handing those out, so we go after the people who are the most likely to to have demand for that more specific thing. And once that's sort of stabilized, we can say, okay, how can we scale the business development we're doing? Which is, that's something we talk about on this podcast a lot is, yes. and then we switch on some sort of marketing, which you said it, it's essentially around scaling, just 
scaling the business development that we're already doing through media, i.e., to your point, generating demand or creating leads for that specific business development engine I've already built in the firm. Yes. Okay. Yes. That would be the, the stage three there on my journey. And the, the fourth stage is then to see and understand that if I am even more strategic in this approach and I do a little bit less of the biz dev led thinking of what's the next mm-hmm. deal to come into our pipeline. I step a bit back and I think more in terms of how can we think ahead and be thought leaders and be innovative and create new services, right? So, so it's a bit more in terms of who's controlling the process is a bit more marketing led than biz dev led, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's more about discovering new needs and formulating new services and having new ideas. And also, and we talked about this as well, leveraging marketing as a place where IP creation happens. So that's mm-hmm. then the, the next stage, right? This is what I mean yeah. by more strategic marketing. And once I've done all that, uh, I can enter the last and final stage, which to me is sort of the branding component, which that's all about building the reputation and visibility of my firm beyond its immediate area of expertise and its Im- immediate market segments, right? Mm-hmm. So this is that's the stuff all the big firms do, right? That yes. is why if you are... Let's pick Accenture in the noughties and nineties and noughties. You have you you do sports sponsorship, right? And you sponsor someone who plays golf for a living to get your brand name out there, and you invest in that brand recognition. Or you do you do I forgot who did it, but you deploy AI to solve sustainability issues, do art, or all these types of things which are not necessarily directly connected to your business, but they create awareness. Yeah. And they help that people who are not even immediately in the markets you're serving understand what your firm is, what it does. And I think what that does is it drives acquisition costs down even further, right? Both yeah. for new business and for talent. And it and it creates brand value in the firm, which if you do it long enough and well enough, actually becomes commercial value, as in you're leveraging what the firm is worth. I I do want to add one point here is that when you're making it from on focus to focus, you are crystallizing the central idea of what you're selling or rather the unique selling proposition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that is exactly what you're trying, like everything that you've described flows exactly what we're trying to do there because you know you need to sell this, you know you have these capabilities, but the value prop and the selling prop is what you refine as you build that, because when you get to the final point of what you were saying, the branding, that's where this thing has to shine. And by that point, you need to know what this is. Yeah, that is true. And we get into the, we can get into the stages in, in, a, yes. in a second. I just wanted to conclude the, this introduction of the journey idea with two points. The first one is that, like I said, I don't think there is skipping stages. You can just fast track through them. Yes. But yes. Uh, talking about myself a little bit here, I am with my firm client friendly, I'm not exempt from this logic. And we had to push and still have to push through stages of the journey, even though I set out with a very deliberate strategy overall in mind, right? It's just that what our strategy is about hypothesis, right? Some of that stuff didn't work out as well. Some of that stuff wasn't specific enough. So I still have to go through these stages of figuring it out. It's almost like the stages of grief (laughs) just for uh, professionalizing your business development effort. Okay, that's one thing, right? So there's no, there is no jumping steps, but there is certainly fast-tracking some of those. And the second aspect of it is just understanding the fact that it is a journey that you have to go through the stages will already help you sort of not make a key mistake. I see firms make time and again. We're just Mm -hmm. trying to skip a step. And we've all 
met the the small eight or nine person consultancy where they thought, oh, we got to ramp up business development. And then they paid a lot of money, for example, a PR agency, right? Mm -hmm. Close to six figure retainers to get business press coverage. And either it doesn't work at all, or it doesn't drive business results, right? Like sometimes they get press coverage, but it doesn't translate Mm -hmm. into sales because the machine is not built in its entirety. And essentially what they've done is try to skip a bunch of steps and spend money on something a large firm would do as part of their brand play or in their very last maturity stages of their strategic marketing, right? PR agencies can be great value for money if you are in those later stages and you have the engine set up and now you can layer business press coverage on top. Awesome stuff. But just because a Deloitte or a Capgemini does it and you read about the guys in, in, I don't know, the FT means that your small firm should be doing it. So that those would be my two points. I don't know if, if you have a third one, but understanding it's a journey, understanding you can't skip step. And then instead of trying to do that, rather focus on what is important during each stage of the journey, that is, I think, the helpful piece. No, I, I agree with that. I don't have much to add, but I think, yeah, go on to it. All right. So for this next bit, let's talk a little bit about what you could do as you progress through those stages, right? And yes. I think the way I thought about it and, and we discussed it was if you are in this stage where you're doing unfocused business development, and I would describe the symptoms of that as it's not entirely clear. There's no clear answer to where will next month's clients come from, right? As in there's not much delivered effort there. It's <laughs> random activities, that type of thing. And then also there's no clear answer to the question, what are we going to sell to them? Because typically Mm -hmm. you do bespoke project work to perfectly fit inquiries that are coming your way from what source, whatever. Probably it's word of mouth and referrals, probably it's from Mm -hmm. the network, those types of things. It is perfectly fine to be at that stage. No criticism for me whatsoever. It's actually even helpful, right? To do, to have variety in how you approach the market and how you service it because you want to learn what works best. So you've got to throw a bunch of stuff against the wall to see what sticks, right? It's fine. But in that stage, focusing on trying to accelerate the finding out of what sticks part is where I would focus as as a business development leader or a marketing. Like, I don't know if there's a marketing person in the firm at this stage, but finding patterns in what pains are the best fit for our expertise. Where do those come from? The clients we work best with, right? What do they have in common? How could we describe yep. them in other ways than just firmographics, right? What, has, what's, what are the drivers and so forth? What triggers them to reach out to us? Like learning all these things would be my priority for this first focus. The sooner you can get that done, the sooner you can dial the, the things in you need to progress to stage two. And I mean, this is then to your point, stage two should be all about client journey and service design. It's fine to still do business development, right? Outreach, networking, these types of things. No need to layer on marketing at this stage. But boy, to to your earlier point, should we be defining client journeys and just build our, I often talk about the offering set, right? What is our entry point offering? We have a discovery workshop. How does it look like? What follows from that? And then just sort of define and harden and improve your delivery. And now that's my link back to the earlier stage for that specific pain and that specific subgroup of your target segment where you have learned in the earlier stages that you do your best work and you create the most value and there's like hopefully the the most need for that type of stuff. So 
really, you could think of this as almost like developing your product. Um, link back to the productization episode with Luke Smiles, but you're not creating a product, right? We discussed no, this, but not. that is what you should be doing to during the second sort of business development only phase. Okay. Next phase then is kind of logical. Once you have an offer, because that's sort of the outcome, I should have, that's what I should have said. Like once you have a well-working offer mm -hmm. defined, you did that in the second stage. Third stage, you can layer on the marketing and you and I have created episodes to no end around this by designing funnels, right? Or client journeys or mechanisms by which to pull people towards your service. And you can see lots of small firms crushing it through that. I'm going to reference, people might be aware of the, the podcast. I forget the name of the podcast, but Chris Walker and his SaaS, SaaS marketing consultancy, Refine yeah. Labs, they, they essentially build one engagement offer. Today, they have a variety of services, but they built one and then they created a funnel, which was Chris's podcast, uh, Chris's LinkedIn posts pulled people into the podcast, spoke to the frameworks they are deploying and work when working with clients. And that was people's invitation to do a discovery call with them to see if they could work with them. It's really mm -hmm. simplistic, but it's important to be deliberate in, in defining that. And I think that's what the focus should be in the third stage of the journey, in the, in the initial marketing stage, build that funnel. Wow. And the rest, and a side note here, and sorry, I'll hold for you then, but you can do a lot of that without doing the typical marketing stuff, right? I have clients who are running a, a test funnel right now, webinar funnel, outreach, invite people to a webinar, do a bit of social. Their website looks, excuse me for saying it, like shit. And they haven't updated. It doesn't even reflect their current service portfolio because you don't need that. You can do quite a bit of funnel creation and marketing around that behind the scenes, testing things. There's no need to do the full rebranding website overhaul exercise. Th that I, might be for our next step. I don't know what you said. I do think that when you are creating the funnel, especially if it's something that's used to generate leads, you make sure that it's connected to the sales funnel as well. Yes. Because yeah. the qualified leads on both ends need to meet. You do not want to send, <clears throat> what do you say, generic marketing material to someone that your sales teams are talking to and you do not want the sales team trying to sell something that's already you know they've already yeah. been marketed to quite well so you, yeah. you, as in you need to as in they need to have much more specific information so make sure these two things are connected so that you can approach the client in the right way yeah i love that because you're pointing out so that's actually very important because the that is what so many firms get wrong as they start doing marketing they don't create the pull through as i refer to to do mm -hmm. just what you just said there yeah a, they haven't, they didn't design the funnel from the yeah. back end to the front end. So you have to have the initial offering, the entry point of you want to sell first. Yeah. You then need to think about the what's the free offer, the conversion mechanic you put in front of that second, and then you can think about what are the social channels and marketing activities we, we use to drive traffic to the conversion offer. That's how you build that thing up. And to your point. Many firms do the parts and pieces of this, but they never connect it through, which is why I like your addition here, which means they end up in a place where there's random social posts. Each one of those might be good, right? All of this might be great posts, so great advice. There's excellent blog posts that teach me a bunch of stuff, but it never, it's, there's no red line threaded through the entire thing. So I'm never feeling pulled to the next step in the journey. And that means you are doing what I see so often, 
you are spinning the wheels, putting out content, educating people, and it's all helpful, but you keep them in the freeloader loop. I don't know who said that. I have to, that is I, I do want to add one more caveat of data quality. Yeah. When you're talking about funnels, because if your sales team just has Chris at tech company, yeah, they'd be like, whereas marketing has the surname of this person at same tech company, you don't know what you're doing. This data quality is very important because I have literally seen both sales teams and marketing teams work from really crap data and then you go to the same issue again. That is another good point. And maybe that's a series of subsequent episodes diving even deeper into those steps because of course, there's also a maturity curve to each of the single stages of the journey. And what you're saying right there now is very true. Once I have created the funnel and the thing kind of works, I will be able to get that started with just pen, paper, and a spreadsheet maybe. I'm joking a little bit. But to your point, yes, of course, once I struck gold and I found something that pulls people (coughs) through, boy, do I want to make sure that runs as smoothly as possible. That's when IT comes in. That's when I have to have a CRM discussion. And even before then, even if it's about measuring whether stuff works or not, yeah, you'll have to do things like UTM tag links, right? So you can make sure the post actually did drop. So yeah, yeah, there is a technical component to it and a data component to it. And that's for the, that's the highest maturity range. At the moment, but at the very bare bones, your data should match and you need to maintain data quality because that that is is important in sales. And I like that because it's a good segue for the next step because when that's in order, when you've not just built the funnel, but you have figured out a way to use data to prove it works and then maybe even go further and automate parts of it, put parts of it on self-service steroids, that type of thing. Then you are ready to move to the next step, which is then becoming more strategic in your marketing. And that is effectively, like we said previously, to really look at it from um, a strategic marketer's lens and really essentially go back and refine everything, right? From your segmentation, your positioning, your offerings to your content to make sure everything works as it's intended, close gaps. Again, sorry, going into a detailed tangent, but often what I see firms do is they start by doing great or better and better top of the funnel content, right? They they get an idea from where to catch people at, at the earliest stages. And they have great sales credit to the end of the funnel, but the the middle is missing. And that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of performance drops because, yeah, you said something interesting. You had a great webinar there and you have compelling reasons. You have a compelling leaflet about this discovery workshop, but I never understood how the two connect, why I should care and what exactly it is you're doing because the middle of the funnel piece was missing, right? So it's that idea, I think, to be more deliberate in making sure this stuff works. Then there's also, of course, the, the idea of, um, scaling up and out. Maybe you so, built one funnel for parts of the audiences you're trying to serve. Okay, how can you have three more of those so you cover the entire market? These types of things, I think, go into the, the strategic think, marketing. Yeah, and the strategic marketing is a who, what, why, as I would say. Who are you telling this to? What are you telling them? And why are you yeah. telling them? Yeah. Because and, uh, that's where your narrative, positioning, segmentation, all these things come in because this is where you know what... <clears throat> you are, what you're trying to sell, all of that. Who is the specific audience, probably OEM manufacturers or something like that in the specific industry? And why are you telling them? Probably because of something that you found through your pestle analysis or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So so refining your stuff like that is, is that's one part of the thing in this phase. 
The second part is, and I wrote it here, is, is becoming more forward-looking mm-hmm. and more thought leadershipy, for lack of a better yeah. word, because the presumption here is, as you progress through the earlier stages, you've won some clients, first one, mm-hmm. you became better at winning more of the same clients and working on more similar engagements, second stage. Mm-hmm. You put that on steroids with your marketing funnel, right? So you got the number of iterations way up, repetition, repetition. So that means now that you move the marketing stage, you will have seen a number of engagements of yeah. very similar clients. And you will have had very similar experiences with regards to what mistakes are these guys making? Where does it go wrong? How can we help them better? Where do we make mistakes which we fix by improving our process? So you're probably now at the stage where you sit on a treasure trove of great insights, cool yeah. client stories, and you're maybe also in a position where you can start actually building out frameworks that are not just LinkedIn clickbait, but stuff you use in your consulting and you have proven that works. And you, that is also the second area where you should focus on this stage. So two things, refine your stuff with the learnings you've had and then lean into using the learnings you had as part of your thought leadership content marketing efforts and so forth, right? It could become, it, it, it can even feed into your funnel design, right? Because you have now different lead magnets. You used to do just a webinar. Now you have a full diagnostic because you know your stuff. You used mm-hmm. to do a crappy, barely unstructured mm-hmm. discovery workshop. Maybe now you have a digital video course, three sessions, and then people come to the workshop because you know what you it's, it's the same idea. It's just applying your learnings and then you're ready to move on into the last stage, which, as I said, is brand marketing. And that's where you get to sponsor. One thing I did want to add. And do PR. (laughs) Just kidding. Before we jump into brand marketing, one of the things I want to say is that when you're looking at strategic marketing, that's actually the place where AI becomes a lot more of a helpful tool because that's how you get. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about it. But yeah, there's because you're now, you're at peak structure. Yeah. If, if, you, if you will, you, yeah. you, both in your consulting and then also in your marketing to the point where you can probably build a, I'm hesitant to use the word, but you'll probably now have a, not just a marketing person, but you have a team and mm-hmm. the team might even be able to have to run using a deliberately designed operating model, right? Yes. Because, 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 we, because we know how we do marketing around here. That's that type of stage to, to connect this back to the, the episode with Professor O'Mahony, right? Where he said, uh, you become a process manager, the better you get at this. Same story yes. here. Same idea. It's, it's, it's much more, this is an area where you can bring your predictive, you know, modeling and stuff like that. That's the reason why I just mentioned. Because in the earlier areas, I think something that in terms of marketing, people need to understand is when do you use certain tools? Like CRM comes in the step before, AI comes in this step. There are certain yeah. things that you need to understand just because you don't, while these are not like, oh, something that you say, I'm doing this over two years, just like you said, it can be accelerated. Certain tools come at the right time. And just because tools exist in the market doesn't mean you should just use them just because yeah. they exist. And then we enter the territory of brand. And I should be saying, I'm yeah. not a brand marketing expert. Like I, I play at the base level marketing, strategic marketing implementation part of the journey but i think now you should be able to you should be at a place where your strategic and systematized marketing does create some predictability in the business and some nothing's ever fully secure but there is a sense of security with terms of pipeline being generated so forth also meaning you should have had some growth at this point in time which all i'm driving towards is you now have some extra cash in the bank (laughs) and you could siphon some of that off to invest it in in plays which are much more about creating visibility 
and a rep for the firm and its reputation and building both of those in places mm -hmm. where you do not expect an immediate or short, yeah. only briefly delayed transactional return for the business. You just do that for visibility and reputation's sake. Now here's the time to hire that PR agency. Now here's the time to, to spend money on image movies or films. Man, I've seen so many like 30 person shops spending like 15 grand on an image video. Just don't do it unless you are at that stage where everything else has been sorted is, is my point. You're free to do that, right? Go crazy with the extra funds you brought in by doing slightly more boring, but much more important, proper, basic strategic marketing. Now I offended all the brand marketing guys. I mean, I, I will say the branding game can make all the difference in the world, right? Especially if you are in places where you go up against the big guys, it can help so much with recruiting. It can help you know, with all kinds of things. I think it is the discipline that enables a firm to punch above its weight. Is that yes. the idiom? Yes. Yeah. Because you're suddenly very famous and very reputable and, and people hold you in high regard for something. And that includes people who are not even in your target market. I mean, think of the guys what you will. And I think the brand has maybe suffered a little bit recently. But a lot more people know about McKinsey and what the firm does. And they have it probably in their minds as a somewhat elite type of place than would ever come close to the firm or buy services off of it. And it's that expansion of your impact beyond your immediate markets that is in focus here. Uh, yeah. Well, that was not much of a how-to, but I think, or a, a thing to focus on. I th so maybe we should run it out by saying, if you made it to that level, it is okay to start thinking about divesting, uh, diverting, not divesting, diverting some of your budget, some of your effort to creating the firm, the firm's brand and building mm -hmm. recognition for that, right? You can step away from the much more transaction-focused, drive leads, build pipeline type of stuff from the, from the earlier stages. That's pretty much all I had. Major takeaways. I don't know. I think in conclusion, we said this is a journey. Don't kid yourselves into thinking you can skip the steps, but do make an effort to fast track yeah. your firm's progression through each of those. And you can do that by being very clear about where are we now? What should be our objective? And then maybe putting some thinking and some systems in place to help meet that objective, right? Yeah. Unstructured business goes on forever if no one stands up and says guys this is fine for now but what we should be doing is design a service we can sell and sell and repeat repeat to smithereens let's find that once it once everybody's clear on how that's the name of the game right now you already made a great contribution to fast tracking that that stage i think that's literally all i had uh, i think I that is really a good place for us to end this for today yeah, let's wrap it. I got to go to the library with the kids uh, later this afternoon. I also oh, heard. Looking forward to that. Um, and then we are in for a grayish weekend. So no snow, no rain, but cold and wet. It is. <clears throat> we are definitely seeing sun right now. I can tell you that. Oh, well, that doesn't help me, though. Anyways, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's good to talk to you, man. Thanks everybody for listening in. I'll stop the recording here and then we'll speak to y'all, I guess. Yes. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 